Uh, I always tell people that you can do this. You can do UX work. You can do UX writing or any type of UX design as long as you're adaptable, curious, and just kind of a, you know, a don't let job descriptions scare you. If they say like, you know, you need five plus years of experience or something, you know, just still apply and try to sell yourself in the right way or network within people within that company and then develop a relationship with them. Then they might be able to um, toss your name to a hiring manager later on if there's an opening. So that that's kind of my advice I'd give definitely like try to make an in at a company you're interested in based on a relationship that you develop with maybe another UX designer UX writer or someone out there and then uh, just cultivate yourself that way and show that you can do the work and sell yourself in the right way in the interview process. Welcome to another episode of 24 Minutes of UX. If you're new to the program this is a worldwide community-driven podcast series about user experience where we connect seekers of UX wisdom with givers of UX wisdom. We are your hosts, Jesse Anton and Peter Horvat. We are doing something a little special this time around. We figured it was time to break the mold a bit and do a two-part episode. Exactly, Peter. I mean, since we make the rules, we also get to break them now and then. And speaking of breaking things, we just couldn't break this discussion down into a single 24-minute segment. The flow was so good that we thought, why deprive our listeners? Yeah, and I think many of our listeners will relate to today's topic which is all about breaking into the field of UX. The truth is, most of us have come to the UX field by way of other career paths. Jesse, you were once a product manager, and I worked in marketing. Others have arrived via the paths of psychology, anthropology, market research, and even library sciences. The truth is that you don't need to be a graphic designer or a human-computer interface specialist to work in UX. That's right, Peter. And yet so many people out there still confuse UX with UI. But that's another topic for another day. My question is, can you start your career working in bars and at ski stations and still become a UXer? Well, let's try to shed some light on that in this podcast, shall we? Today's giver is Andrew Esselford. He's a UX writer and content strategist from Atlanta, Georgia, working at a software-as-a-service company. Before immersing himself in UX, Andrew worked as a journalist for media companies such as Cox and ESPN. So, Andrew knows his sports. We also welcome our seeker of advice, Matthew Bradley. Originally from the UK, Matthew is a design thinking coach working on digital transformation initiatives for a global FMCG company based here in Switzerland. He has been trying to get a quote-unquote regular UX job and is starting to realize that he might actually be a few steps ahead of the rest of us. And so, before we break anything else, let's jump right into the first part of the conversation between Andrew and Matthew. Hi, I'm Andrew Astleford from Atlanta, Georgia, United States, and I'll be the giver. Well, hi, I'm uh, Matt Bradley. I'm based here in Switzerland, and basically I'm uh, a digital transformation manager and business agility coach, and I'll be today's uh, seeker. Good, so nice to meet you, Andrew. It's really, uh, uh, thanks for taking the time, first of all, to come and speak to me. You know, it's really nice to be able to meet a like-minded, uh, let's say, individual. And uh, even in these strange times, it's it's kind of... <laughs> Nice to be able to connect with people across the globe, you know, from uh, literally from the comfort of my living room. So uh, look, <laughs> looking forward to today's conversation, basically. Oh, definitely, Matt. This is really exciting for me, too. That's one of the silver linings, I think, of this past year is just how nice it's been to get to know people throughout the world through video conferencing and people have met on LinkedIn and other online outlets. So this is just an extension of that for me. And it's, it's such a pleasure to meet with you and speak with you today. Yeah, the, the, the really funny thing, I actually am realizing this now, I've never met any of you physically ever so and this is all via meeting uh, each other via linkedin or connecting or 
various networking or liking posts. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be going to be really good. Oh, definitely. Oh yeah, I think it's just great that we can bring it up another level too because I've met quote unquote so many people online through just like likes or you know seeing their name on posts or something like that. So to bring it into like an emotional realm and to like speak with someone uh, across the globe is, is really exciting for me. <laughs> So, Andrew, your background, uh, as far as I understand, is in journalism, and then you have now transitioned over into the field of UX design, if I understand this correctly. Yes, uh, I had a winding path, and I, I'm learning a lot of people in my field, UX content, uh, have that. It, it's really interesting. Uh, I went to school for magazine journalism, actually. I did that in college, studied for it. I thought I was going to do that career forever, and it just didn't work out that way because uh, in my country, the United States, the journalism industry is pretty hard. Uh, I had two layoffs in three years, so I was looking for something a little more uh, traditional or nine to five working <laughs> situation. And so, uh, yeah, I was just applying for any writing related role after that second layoff. And uh, I was kind of fortunate to stumble into UX writing and UX content. Uh, I had a friend who was a product manager at my current company who told me about the opening. He knew I was searching for a job and he said, you should apply for this role. I think I actually had to Google what UX meant. I was that ground level <laughs> on what UX meant. So it's kind of funny looking back to that now in 2018 and see how far I've come. So, uh, but it's been a really rewarding career and just seeing the field grow as I've grown with it in a way because I've noticed in the past year or so there are more UX writing jobs opening up at organizations throughout the country and the world so uh, yeah it's uh, very exciting and I'm having a lot of fun with it right now. So you're you're basically you're working in the US on on particular projects or in product management you know like in what fields you work in uh, with uh, with UX design? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I work within our product development group at my company. We're a marketing analytics platform, but um, we're a pretty big organization comparatively, like 200 some employees. And so I'm within the UX umbrella, though. And so our UX content team is like a subset of that. So uh, there are a few UX writers and our UX content director, and so that's my little team there. But we also work with UX designers, and so that's like the UX team as a whole. And then I also work with product managers, um, engineers, business intelligence professionals to solve problems within our app and the various parts of the app that I uh, support. So yeah, it's a really interesting field because, you know, as a journalist, I would do a lot of long form writing, literary writing, uh, put together these different right. like, storytelling pieces, but it's a lot different with UX writing. It's a lot more concise, conceptual. You want to be clear and helpful to the user and have each word count. Uh, I made this comparison before, but it's a lot like Twitter in a way <laughs> where it's like trying to keep things at a, a really small amount of words, but still be impactful. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a different exercise for my brain as I've gone along with this field, but I've learned to just really enjoy the left brain, right brain aspect of it, where you can still be creative in a way, but you're really problem solving as well and helping users accomplish their goals within the app. So that's a lot of fun. And I also build videos too um, for product okay. education with my company. So that's been exciting to do that as well. So get a little creative kick that way. And it's fun to see uh, myself grow along with the role over time. Interesting, interesting. So you have quite a, let's say, a broad scope of work that you that you work <laughs> in, basically, which is really interesting. You know, coming from a, my background is basically, let's say, marketing, general business management, and then I fell into, let's say, working in business transformation, oh, which wow. then led mm -hmm. me to um, work in the next phase, let's say, in digital transformation. Let's use that umbrella term to kind of summarize everything. 
Yeah. Which then, uh, let's say, as my organization progressed and, and matured digitally, then it opened me up for other opportunities in terms of uh, becoming a design thinking coach. I also mm. participated and was a finalist in uh, an entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship program where I won, let's say, some seed funding to create my own collaboration product. And that for me, this is really where my interest, my curiosity, I really found my passion, you know, um, yeah. w- with this work. And that was back in 2017, where this kind of journey really started for me. And ever since, I've always wanted more and I've got really, really curious about it as well. So I was also laid off. And then this actually, you know, I can fully empathize, you know, in terms of how that feels. But at the same yeah. time, it can be quite liberating because it allowed me to start thinking, okay, what do I really enjoy doing? And, mm-hmm. you know, what aspects of work that I really enjoyed? And I kept coming back to that experience. I think I loved every single minute of it. I've never worked so hard or so many long hours in my life, but it didn't matter to me. This is so for me, this was a really uh, strong indication in terms of what I enjoy doing. And then becoming a design thinking coach as well also exposed me to so many different aspects of the business and also exposed me to, let's say, more experiences with UX design. But uh, for me, that since then, I, I've done some freelance work on this. So I've worked with the pharma industry. I've worked in the banking industry. I have worked on highly confidential merger and, and acquisition processes where we've actually leveraged the principles of design thinking to reinvent, uh, let's say, the services that they were offering in terms of uh, the merger and acquisition process. And now I'm uh, currently working, let's say, in the field of science. So I have, I now find myself uh, working with cutting-edge scientists and Mm -hmm. applying some of these principles uh, in their day-to-day to to see how we can leverage digital, how we can even create better products for them. One of my biggest learning, uh, they're some of the biggest consumers of data, Mm -hmm. uh, which (laughs) sounds obvious when I say this now, but uh, this was a kind of a big eye-opening moment for me. And uh, quite frankly, they need easy-to-use products and solutions to be able to to deal with their day-to-day. So this is where I kind of fell into the field of UX and this all kind of comes into play. But uh, for me, uh, you know, going through this process of finding my career and finding jobs, I kept wanting to apply for roles in UX. And I felt like there was this this continuous kind of mysterious barrier for some reason. Uh, I was not able to, to break or get over. And I don't know if this is something specific to, let's say, Switzerland, where let's say maybe the UX maturity is, from my point of view, is... I mean, it's still quite low and the knowledge here is starting to appear, you're starting to see these roles. Uh, but these set tend to be more focused on, let's say, user interface design. And these are often people that are often have a background in, say, graphic design, which is not my background completely. So some of those are always the questions that always came up in these interviews. It's like, oh, so, you know, where's your design portfolio? Well, I'm, I, I don't have one, but I have all this other skill set, you know, which I've built across uh, let's say, innovation, design thinking, digital marketing, coaching. So I had a lot of transferable skills here. So uh, it's really good to have at least the conversation with you because I think we have kind of uh, similarities in terms of you transitioning into this. And I'd like to understand more from you, you know, how you did it, what I then, you know, what were your transferable skills? How did you apply it? And how did you really break into this? Oh, definitely. Well, it's so interesting what you said there, because I associate with a lot of it, just trying to break down that barrier. And that's something I've noticed about the past year as I've mentored people who are trying to break into UX and especially UX writing is 
a lot of these people have maybe writing backgrounds as a journalist like I did, or they've been essayists or something. So I think that struggle of like just pushing through that brick wall that exists right now is really a difficult thing for people. And I think there's a space out there for people like myself to kind of share our story as the people who were career changers and then are starting to explore this field now. So that's what I try to do a lot of times is evangelize like how I did it what you can do to market yourself in the best possible way for job interviews or trying to get an interview at all. So, uh, yeah, I think as this area of UX grows, uh, there's definitely an opening for um, that to be matured over time. So my process was a little interesting, I'd say, maybe non-traditional in some ways, but I didn't have a portfolio either. So like what you were saying, Matt, about not having a design portfolio to show, yeah. um, I didn't have that with the UX Ryan portfolio at all. I've been a journalist for 10 years. And so I knew like long form storytelling, article writing, things like that, even like tweets, <laughs> things, a lot of different mediums of writing. So um, what I did, though, is I still submitted those things and I networked. And I think at least for my situation, the networking part was was the most important to get the job interview I did and then to gain the trust of the hiring manager um, because the product manager I mentioned to is my friend who worked at the company. He put in a good word for me mm-hmm. and then um, she trusted his voice in the hiring process. And uh, from that point, you know, when you interview, it's all about just showing you're a good person, yeah, just yeah. selling yourself as a hard worker, stuff like that. And But uh, I always tell people that you can do this. You can do UX work. You can do UX writing or any type of UX design as long you're adaptable, curious, and just kind of a, you know, a level person, really, you know, you're just uh, ambitious. So um, yeah, definitely, Matt, like you can do this work and uh, anyone out there who's curious about it, like, I, I definitely like, and just suggest like, don't let job descriptions scare you if they say like, you know, yeah, you exactly. five plus years of experience or something, you know, just still apply and try to sell yourself in the right way or network within people within that company and then develop a relationship with them. Then they might be able to um, toss your name to a hiring manager later on if there's an opening. So that, that's kind of my advice I'd give. Definitely like try to make an in at a company you're interested in based on a relationship that you develop with maybe another UX designer, UX writer, or someone out there. And then uh, just cultivate yourself that way and show that you can do the work and sell yourself in the right way in the interview process. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. And this this is kind of a nice transition to kind of really take me on to my first question, you know. And maybe this is a provocative question, but <laughs> are there people doing the hiring? Are they fully aware what they're hiring for? And this is a kind of a question, you know, as I've been through these hiring processes, thankfully I found uh, another very uh, super exciting one. But I'm finding that sometimes hiring managers, as particularly here in Switzerland, they're jumping on a trend. Uh, you know, where, you know, digital is it? It's a very exciting field. You know, digital transformation has, let's say, multiple different definitions and different interpretations depending on where you sit in in business. And I'm finding the same thing in UX design here as well, because as I've done some digging, it's a very broad field. Mm. But let's say here we're still going through a phase where the, I think companies are looking for, let's say, the unicorn or the do it all <laughs> person. So you go for mm-hmm. you follow the the entire process from you know, coming up with the initial concept all the way to, let's say, the interface design and then the delivery here as well, which is, unless you're superhuman, is often more than a one-man job, put it that way. Um, But when I've gone through these interviews, I feel like maybe I'm almost finding myself educating uh, these people about the UX process versus really trying to sell myself versus the role. So I don't know if you've ever encountered this to you or if we're just, let's say, discovering this and playing catch-up here in Switzerland. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it depends where in the world you are right now. I'd say here in the United States, I've noticed a maturation in that process where more companies are starting to understand the value of UX, um, the business value of it, not just uh, the aesthetic value, but also that there are real business uh, results that can be gained by having good UX and the good UX principles within your company. So I'd say, yeah, those are maturing quite a bit, but I'd say it's still an evolving process. You're right. I don't think everywhere is that way. And certain places are searching for that unicorn. Like you said, I've seen job ads where they want UX designers to be the UX writers as well. And here in the United States, anyway, that's a distinction that's changing quite a bit, whether the UX writing and content design is becoming a separate discipline from the UX design or role, you know, so it's like two separate roles now where it's more specialized for um, content designers and then UX designers. So I think there's some maturation there. And, um, you know, people with UX content experience are becoming managers, and they know to hire a certain kind of profile. So, but I'd say, yeah, it's definitely been a struggle for <laughs> people to kind of sell the business value of UX in some cases. And I think that might always be an evolving process where we have to showcase our value and show why UX is important in a business and within a software development process. So, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear about different situations throughout the world. I think we're a little more advanced from the situation you're talking about in Switzerland right now, but uh, there are still struggles here where we do have to sell what this role is and the value of it. And I think that's something we should always do because we're always mm -hmm. going to be evolving within our role and the role is going to change over time and different specializations will arise. But uh, within that, I think we're going to be okay as far as having people understand the value of UX within a business practice. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think you touched on kind of two key points or two key learnings. I think uh, I've kind of gained and matured over going through this process myself is one, we see, let's say, a rise of UX used as a competitive advantage, put it that way. And one, I think some people are now starting to discuss that, let's say, the rise of the experience economy. You know, everyone, especially now since, you know, the pandemic, pretty much all forms of aspect have moved online. And now my customer experience is all through my screen, just like we're doing mm -hmm. today, you know? Yeah. So, you know, how do we compete with that? And then for me, this is how you start using UX as a competitive advantage. And I don't think, especially here, I don't think businesses are quite woken up to the fact that, you know, your purchasing experience starts by playing on my phone playing on my phone on your website. And if it doesn't work, I'll be like, eh, next, I'll go on to the next one, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we, we've become very fickle, let's say, consumers here. And this is really where I think people massively uh, underestimate the power of this. Now, the second point I wanted to make, and this is from a mentor of mine, is let's say we were going to speak a little bit more about the tech side of things and say IT departments and so on and so forth. Traditionally, these are run as support functions to a business. And, you know, if you run in IT, you're, let's say, uh, I'll stereotype massively here, but you're a bit antisocial, you're very geeky, and you're not particularly <laughs> business focused, you know, and there's nothing against my, against my colleagues in engineering, but that's the kind of general perception of the business, you know. And uh, a good day in the office is when the phone is not ringing because that means something is, <laughs> is still working, you know. Sure. Uh, but I think we're really coming to a point where some businesses now realize that you know, technology is in now integrated throughout their entire organizations, particularly large corporate environments, uh, which is why I've primarily built my experience over the last uh, 10, almost 11 years now. And then there's this new concept now that's floating around in terms of, let's like, say, running your IT department as a business. Mm -hmm. And this is where you see the rise of things like product management. And uh, from my point of view, you know, to become a good product manager, you have to have A, the business experience, B, a solid understanding of UX design, and C, 
now a good understanding of technology. And these are the kind of, this is like this trifecta, which really makes you an effective product manager. And let's say, move, first of all, IT from a support function to a business enabler. And at the same time, you're also contributing to this experience economy. But I feel like, you know, there are silos being broken down, which is, I find super interesting. But I find myself stuck in this transition phase where I can't really kind of showcase this knowledge because I feel like I'm already, not to sound arrogant, but I'm sort of three or four steps ahead of where this is happening and where this is going. So I don't know if, you, if you've ever felt like this way or if you've had these same types of frustrations yourself or have observed this. Yeah, no, that's really interesting what you're saying. As far as the frustration that you're feeling personally, I'd say just sell yourself as someone who's a few steps ahead. I, I think that's something that's valuable. And the best companies out there will realize that you're a trailblazer in that way and that you can bring value to the company with the experiences that you have. So uh, as far as that goes, I'd say don't be shy about talking about those experiences and the different strengths that you can bring to the business and the different experiences you've had over time that have developed the skill sets that you have refined at this moment. So yeah, I think that's really fascinating. As far as what you said earlier about how UX really contributes to uh, the impression of a product and kind of that make or break moment that someone has early on in experience, that's definitely true. We've seen it with my own company and different things I use in my phone and online, you know, I think more than ever now, we just don't have long attention spans. So you have to have a, a nice experience early. You have to show the user time to value quickly. And that's stuff that all UX can bring to the table and really strategize about what is um, going to make that happen for the user and to make them accomplish their goals of what they're trying to do with your product. So I think what you mentioned there, especially in the past year where everything has moved online throughout the world in a different way than it had before, I think that's so important to emphasize right now as part of the growing value of UX within businesses throughout the world. And I think uh, the smart ones will realize that and be like, we only have a finite amount of time to gain a user's trust. And if we break that trust early on, through maybe a, a technical difficulty or confusing instructions or some bad user flow, you know, that trust is gone and they might not come back. And that's a big business loss. So, you know, I think if we can emphasize the importance of UX in that way, that's a good thing. So, uh, and then what you mentioned about product managers, um, I work within a agile environment at my company where the product managers, uh, I work with them closely as a UX person. They're overseeing the UX process, the engineering process too. And they're kind of like, the coach, quote unquote, of the, you know, mm -hmm. of the design assignments. So it's really interesting. I think the best ones do have user goals and business goals in mind. I mean, we should have that in mind as UX people as well, but it's really reassuring when I work with a product manager who has defined expectations and just lays out instructions really clearly based on their perspective of user goals and business goals and marrying those two things together to create the best product possible. So yeah, I think as more companies realize that you know, if they can bring all these various facets together and maybe a person like yourself who has that experience who's you know, a few steps ahead of what the situation is right now, and you know, if you can bring that experience to create something that's memorable, that creates time to value really quickly for a user when they're first introduced to a product and just refines that process of UX and engineering coming together to create something that's effective, uh, that, that's a powerful thing. So I hope that matures over time throughout the world. And I'm starting to see it in my area in the United States quite a bit here right now. But if that can continue to grow over time, I think we'll just benefit globally from that maturation of the process. Yeah, it's really interesting. So it's, it's really nice to meet someone who's like like-minded and has these types of experiences. You know, so <laughs> oh, exactly. It's really it. interesting. A big thank you to our guests, Andrew and Matthew, for joining us on the podcast today. Be sure to check out part two of this episode, 
where our guests discuss hiring practices in different countries, as well as the fluid barriers between traditionally siloed job functions, such as product management, business analysis, and UX design. And thank you to our listeners for spreading the message of 24 Minutes of UX. If you are interested in being a seeker or giver on this show, reach out on 24minutesofux.com. This podcast would not exist without our guests, who are also practitioners just like you. So we are looking forward to hearing from you. Also, we would really appreciate you giving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform and spreading the word with your friends and colleagues. Tell someone about it. The more subscribers we have, the more regular and insightful content we can bring you. Until next time, keep calm and UX on. This episode is brought to you by 24 Labs and is edited by Gwen Buell.